Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from the studio who brought you the number one podcast the piketon massacre this is Death Island. Just a few miles off the Thailand coast, the island of Koh Tao looks like a postcard. It's almost like if you were going to imagine a paradise island or draw a picture of one, that's what Koh Tao looks like. Young tourists from all over the world visit the pristine beaches and crystal clear water. But underneath the surface lies something sinister. A dark cloud has come over the island and cast its shadow death, mystery, and danger. In the last 20 years, dozens of tourists have died mysteriously on the island. One thing is certain. In this beautiful place, no coast is clear. This is Death Island, episode 11. This conversation between Courtney Armstrong, Andrew Arnau, Stephanie Lidecker, and myself was recorded on Friday, March 24th. 
Our entire team had just finished putting the final touches on our series, and we thought a roundtable conversation with our editorial crew talking about the ins and the outs of the series might be interesting. Here's Andrew kicking it off. We just uploaded the trailer for Death Island two days ago, and we've already started to get some reaction. Connor, do you want to talk about that for a moment before we kind of get into how we got into this project? I've already got my first and my second hate tweet from the Kotal truthers, as I'm going to call them, the people who think that it's all pure conspiracy theory and craziness and tinfoil hat people. And anyone who talks about Kotal in any type of negative light are crazy people. So as soon as the trailer dropped, I already started getting people basically saying that we're conspiracy theorists and crazy people. So it started. I think it's going to get a lot more crazy once the first episode and, you know, all the way through the other episodes. But it's going to it's going to kick off here, I think. I mean, you know, at least we were kind of warned about this by a few of the people that we've spoken to. They said, you know, as soon as you guys put this out there, they're going to come for you hard. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's the thing that's so fascinating about this entire project is on one hand, there is crazy internet speculation and conspiracy theories, right? And I'll be the first to say some of them are just insane. At the same time, there are some really valid, heartfelt conclusions and views about the things that have gone on on this island, Kotal, in the last 20 some years. And they're valid and they're truthful and they deserve to have these questions asked about that, which I think is the point where you and I started from, which is let's ask some questions. Let's see what's true. Let's see what's valid and let's see what's crazy. Right. And speaking of where this started from, so December 2021, Stephanie of KT Studios brought this to my attention. Stephanie Lidecker, our our executive producer. And started looking into it. And I started doing some research and, you know, kind of getting ahead of it before officially getting going on the project. And then you and I connected in very interesting circumstances, because I think my first official day or week on the project, you were in Kiev. Yeah. So I have been connected to this project for a long time, which we'll explain later through KT Studios and have been following this island for a long time, having lived overseas and just knowing a lot about Thailand, uh, which I want to state for the record, I think is a beautiful, wonderful country. I've visited it. I love it. I've always had a great time when I've been there. But Koh Tao has always stuck out as a place that's really problematic. And so it was always on, it's been on my radar, this, this whole idea of Death Island, Koh Tao for years now. But right when we were beginning to go into pre-production, essentially, like start our first meetings, I got a phone call on a Friday afternoon from a good friend of mine at CNN named Alex Marquardt. And he's a a reporter there. And he said, hey, I'm going to Kiev tomorrow. Do you want to go? I immediately called my wife and I said, "Uh, Alex is asking if I can go to Kiev with him as a producer. Are you cool with that? And she's like, yeah, but what about pre-production on Death Island? I said, well, that's my next phone call. I'm going to call Courtney and Stephanie and find out if I can go. And uh, I said, listen, I'm going to go. You know, there's this possibility there's a war, but it doesn't look like it. I'll go for two weeks. If it's not, if the war hasn't happened in two weeks, I'll come back. And uh, I said, I'll be in a nice hotel in Kiev most of the time. I'll have internet. I'll be able to do pre-production when there's some downtime. And basically, Courtney and Stephanie said, go do it. We'll start pre-production. We're going to bring Andrew on board. We'll get him sort of uh, up to speed. And then I think the first time we spoke was about probably my second or third day in Ukraine. And the war hadn't started yet, right? But I was in a hotel room, and we were all meeting. And it was sort of like, okay, where do we begin on Koh Tao as a story? 
was a tough one, right? Because when you start digging into it, where do you really start? You can start chronologically at the beginning of when everything happened, or there's so many things that really stood out to me. Um, I remember one in particular, Dmitry Pavs. And, you know, this was, I did not come from a true crime background. And I think my first day on the job, I saw a lot of crime scene photos. This Dimitri case stuck with me still to this day. I think about it a lot. Yeah, I know exactly the photos you're talking about. They're out there on the internet. Probably you might even see them at some point if you're following the story. Um, but I know exactly the photos you're, you're talking about. And yeah, th those stick with you. There's a lot of photos from Kotal from the, from the death scenes that really stick with you. Dimitri Poves is one that stuck out to all of us. Dimitri was found on New Year's Day, 2015. Dimitri was a French citizen who had been living on Kotal for some period of time, and he was out celebrating New Year's 2015 like everyone else, and he was out at a bar until 5 a.m., and he and his friends moved the after party to another spot at some point that finally wrapped up really, really late in the morning. And at some point, his friends all went back to their rooms, and Dimitri was essentially alone. Uh, it's not clear when Dimitri, who was 29 at the time, was alone completely and when he went home or where exactly he went, but later in the afternoon on that day, his friends found him hanging from a ceiling fan in his villa. It was a particularly horrifying scene. His hands were tied behind his back, and that's a pretty suspicious way to kill yourself if you're going to. That said, it's entirely possible that he could have slipped his second hand in, but it does seem like there wasn't much investigation done. At his place, there were no obvious signs of a struggle or of a fight, and Thai police pretty quickly ruled his death as a suicide, and the official cause of death was asphyxiation. There was also supposedly a suicide note in which he essentially said that, Iris, I love you. His friends said that there was no woman named Iris in his life, and they're not exactly sure who that note would have been addressed to. Uh, it's possible it was somebody that his friends on the island didn't know. That's always a possibility. But the combination of the suicide note in which it references somebody who his friends didn't know and the fact that his hands were tied behind his back are really two of the troubling parts of this suicide. And it's possible it was a suicide. But given everything we know about the island and the way that the police handle the investigations and the fact that we know that there are people on the island who have threatened and possibly even potentially killed others because of fights or disagreements, his death is really suspicious. And we've just had a lot of lingering questions about his death for a long period of time. But it's one of those deaths that there's just not a lot of information other than the most basic of information to, to really dig into. And Dimitri's case was one of the actual first ones that we had read up on going back years ago, you know, to 2018. We've struggled to track anyone down who knew him. But it's also one of those stories where there just isn't a lot of family and friends posting about them. A lot of these other deaths, you have family advocates who have been basically out there saying, you know, we don't believe that this death was in fact a suicide or an accident. We really struggled to find anyone who was still posting or had posted in the past about him. We struggled to find anyone who seemed to be connected to him. And whoever these 
friends are that are in the newspapers, none of them are identified. And it's that combination of this is a global story where there are people all over the world who've gone to Thailand and gone to Koh Tao and the combination of a French national who maybe his friends didn't speak English and so weren't posting in English. But we've looked everywhere to try to find people who are connected to Dimitri and it's just been nearly impossible. This period of time, you've got the murders of Hannah and David, you've got Chrissy's death, you've got Dimitri's suicide. When people talk about Koh Tao as Death Island, it really comes from this period of time. We know, as you've listened to this series, that the deaths, many of these deaths also predate this period of time. Mr. Band's death and Tony Lotus's uh, later as well. There's just this period of time where Koh Tao really goes from this island paradise to being known as Death Island, and this is the period of time that it really gets its reputation. And it's this period of time that you're referring to where we'd found a lot of the cases that we then went on to try and investigate and reach out to people and see if we could find out any kind of clarity whatsoever. The first thing we sort of said was, are we just got to make a list of who do we know that's died on Kotal? whether they were murdered, whether they had a suspicious death, whether they had just a tragic death that, you know, was an accident or just natural. Uh, and I remember that was sort of your first task, right? Which was like just compiling names, dates, locations, photos, contact information. Just that was where we started from. And that list over the course of several weeks just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, what I thought wasn't going to be you know, too dense of a list ended up being a really cumbersome project, you know, from mapping out on the island where the the deaths occurred, or the bodies were found. And, you know, really being able to hone in and look at these cases and say, you know, these ones look really, really look like accidents or diving, whatever. And these are the ones that we really don't have enough information and these are the ones that are suspicious so we kind of took a long time to go through everything and once we compiled all of that you and i started just shooting out emails facebook messages tweets you know whatever we could do to try and uh, contact some people who you know who had uh, lost loved ones on the island you know, there's been, I want to say a lot written about Kotal because there actually hasn't been, but there, the things that have been written about Kotal are often not very in-depth. You know, it's sort of the same phrases and language written over and over again for the articles. They always highlight a couple cases and a couple deaths as they mention the new death. But as we started to dig, I think the thing we wanted to do was like, let's try to find some new people who've never spoken on the record before. Let's try to find some new voices that have never been contacted. Or if they've been contacted, they've only been contacted in a, you know for a podcast you know years ago and in, in you know a brief conversation but people who haven't had sort of a full opportunity to tell their stories to have their own information their own stories sort of critically looked at as, as I think like we tried to do and you know I think as we were building this list and compiling this list one it got bigger and two I think throughout this process we uncovered some people whose voices had never been heard before right and you know in going back a little bit you know, you're talking about there's so much disinformation out there, what's real, what's not. And so the biggest part of the outreach and the research was, you know, what is true and what is not? How do we figure that out? And how do we use our platform to help these people? I, I think the other thing is, is I wanted to, and I think you wanted to, and I think the entire team at KT Studios wanted to make sure that we never lost track of the victims, um, the people who died, their families and their loved ones, and the, to make sure we're humanizing people as much as possible, that they're just not 
a stat, somebody who was, you know, murdered or somebody who had an accident or somebody who died under unknown circumstances, right? Like we didn't want it just to be a line that, oh, and then here's the gruesome details or mysterious details. But we wanted to really to try to talk to people who, you know, knew these people, knew them as friends, knew them as family members, uh, knew them as loved ones. And I think that is that that was a really big part of what we were trying to do throughout this entire process. And it didn't take too many conversations before we realized we've we've really got something here. I mean, there's there's a lot of smoke, and in my opinion, you know, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, there's definitely a fire. Let's stop here for a break. We'll be back in a moment. Bean Dad, the dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think this is a, a conversation that deserves to be had, and in particular for the people who think it's all Looney Tune conspiracy theories. You know, is there a, a serial killer who's behind all of these things? Is it a cult? Is it a random tragic accident? I mean, there, there's a whole gamut of conversations about what happens on Kotal. And, you know, I think we tried to look at that pretty critically about what were honest conversations and which was disinformation and which was sort of truthful and which was just pure speculation and not to say any one person was right or any one person was wrong, but to try to build up a conversation around these deaths because they're all separate, but they're all equal in the sense that they all are tied to this one tiny little island in Kotal. And not just one tiny island. I mean, for several of them, it's one beach on one tiny island. And, you know, that's something that we spent a lot of time digging into. Yeah, I you know, I as people listen to this story about Kotal, so much of the questions are really centered around a couple parts of the island. You know, there's there's several parts of the island that just aren't inhabitable or that they there are people that live there, they're, they're locals. The western tourist facing party, scuba diving facing part is is a pretty small part of the island. It's but it's the center of the island. It's the part where everything happens both good and bad, and that's the area where so many of these suspicious deaths you know, happen. Yeah. And I'm really excited for people to to hear these stories and kind of decide for themselves what they think about this. Because I don't know, I mean, we, my, my heart is very invested in this at this point in time. It's been well over a year since we started. And, you know, as we spoke recently, things are still happening now. You know, we think we've got everything covered. We're ready to finish post on our on our shows. And then all of a sudden, somebody else. So, there's a, I don't know, there's a lot out there for people to hear. And I really, I look forward to hearing their thoughts on it. Well, I mean, don't you feel like we're not actually really done? No. Like, I, I feel like even though we have episodes in the can and they're edited and they've been uh, voiced and, you know, uh, they're finished, even though we think we know how this all ends, the season wraps up. I feel like there's things that are going to come out. I think there's always the possibility somebody else dies. Like, this is not over, even though we have finished essentially the first season or are finished with most of the first season, you know, as it is. I mean, that's kind of the thing is this this process has been going on for a year for us, but I don't feel like it's wrapped up by any means. Not even close, not even close. I think there's more people we wanna to talk to. And, you know, as we learn more, there's more questions that we have, which, which is somewhat frustrating because usually the more information you have, the less questions you have. And so this has been a really fascinating, extremely sad, but fascinating process um, as we've gone through this. 
and I, I have no idea where it's going. Yeah, me, me neither. I mean, I you know, I think I have a better sense of what people who do investigations feel like because, you know, you might get a piece of information and then you try to verify it and you try to check it out and then you try to see where that fits in with the other information you have and, and what else that might open in terms of information, contacts with people. And I can only imagine in a lot of murder cases, crime cases, you know, political intrigue, like the more you peel things back, the more doors you open, it often leads to not more answers, but more questions. And over time, some of those questions begin to just become answers. But, you know, I, I can see why investigations that are complicated take years to unravel, because it, that the, the, the one thing I've come away from this process is just like every question leads to an answer that also leads to other questions. Yeah, and this has really been a crash course of investigative journalism for me, um, having had no real experience um, in the journalistic world. You know, you've kind of helped guide me along the way and in, in how we dig out these little nuggets of info. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that's been really interesting is just the efforts that social media allows you to to go and reach and find people, right? We also employed people in Germany and Argentina to help track down people. Um, so we had, you know, we, we hired people in other countries to look for people where social media was a dead end. You know, we had people looking through phone books and, and calling and, and reaching out to people. You know, there's a lot of information on social media, who people are friends with, who people connect with what pictures they like, what links they provide and stuff like that. And that provides a trail, but it's an also an incomplete trail, but it is one that gives you, you know, some a roadmap to some extent of where to start, not always where to finish, but at least where to start when you're trying to find out information on people. And then again, as you try to find out who these people were and why they went to Kotal, uh, what motivated them to go there, to live there, to, to visit, sometimes you have to step way far away from Kotal and Thailand in general to, to get a better picture of who these people are. I'm curious, what about Kotao drew you in initially when you started looking into this um, in meeting with Stephanie and Courtney, you know, years ago? I've lived and traveled all over the world. I can't, and, I, and I'm a scuba diver, uh, and I've been to some small little islands and scuba dived and, you know, lots of beach paradises and things like that. And I can't think of another place that I visited that has this type of reputation. Uh, whether it's earned or unfair, um, or if it's, you know, something that they shouldn't have this label of Death Island. The fact of the matter is they do have this label. There's plenty of questions surrounding what's happened on this island. And so it, it's such a small, tiny island in comparison to Kosamui or uh, Copenhagen or some of these other places that are more famous. And uh, other countries that have diving cultures or party cultures, you know, the things that have happened on Kotal are both tragic and are also mysterious. And when you have a small town murderer, right? Essentially, if you, you put it in the sort of conversation of America, it's a small town that a lot of people visit and there's just a lot of death. And it's almost like murder, she wrote in that sense, right? Like it's a small little town in what was it, Cabot, Maine or whatever that, you know, somebody was murdered every Sunday night. Um, that's not quite Kotow, but that's the way it feels like to me. And I think that's what drew me into it as a story, which is it's a small community. It's a very tight knit commu community. Everybody knows each other to some extent. And even if they didn't know each other, they know somebody who knew somebody um, because it is just a small little island. But it, it has a lot of stories and it has a lot of people passing through at various points in their lives. Right. It's not the number of tragic deaths that we discovered. It's the number of tragic deaths compared to the size and the amount of people there. 
Yeah, and, and you know, and there will be people who say, "Well, it's not there aren't that many deaths in compared to other places." And that's just it's not true. Like it it's a small island and has a lot of tourists and you have you have accidents and you have deaths and you have murders and you have natural cause deaths uh, all over the world in Thailand and in the other place. I mean, all that stuff happens. But there's two things that you have on Koh Tao, which is one, they happen a lot, and two, they happen in really strange ways that the police just discount any type of explanation. Um, they don't really make much of an effort to investigate. So you're always left with these questions about what happened. And, and you can take even what is seemingly the most natural of causes, and there's still questions because the police blame it on the, the victim or they don't do any investigation or if they do an investigation it the paperwork looks doctored or sort of made up and fake or it looks like somebody just sort of googled on the internet and said you know what's a cause of death let's put that down on the police report and you have that time and time again and that leads to all of these questions about Kotao and and you know no police department is perfect but if you compare compare the police department on Kotao to what we've been told about Kopenyang or Koh Samui or larger islands in Thailand or even Bangkok Everybody says the investigations on Kotal are the worst. And that's that's even comes from people who are not, you know, sort of as open to believing that Kotal has as many problems as they do. You know, Kotal's police department and police force is really inadequate for the issues it has. I mean, I can't recall a single person we spoke to or read about that had anything complimentary to say about the way they handled an investigation. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the people who most likely were happy with it are unwilling to talk because they just don't want to be drawn into this. You know, I think I think there are people connected to Hannah and David's murders who are very happy with the outcome of that investigation and simply don't want to engage in any conversation about that investigation being flawed. But in all honesty, even people who are skeptical of, you know, their friend's deaths maybe just being natural, they would all come back and say, or most of them will come back and say, there were their problems with this investigation. It doesn't feel right. Even if I don't think they were murdered, I'm not sure the investigation is going to be the thing that makes me believe that they weren't murdered. Right. And that's the last thing, you know, something terrible happens while a family member or loved one's on vacation. You want to know what happened. I mean, I feel so horrible for these people who are left with way more questions than answers. Let's stop here for another break. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 
comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think one of the interesting things is the backdrop of Thailand in the last 20 years as well, which is you've had a series of coups, you've had an issue with the monarchy about what you can and can't say, and can you criticize and not criticize. The Thais are very, they're very concerned about the way they are portrayed in the world, and particularly in the media, about whether it's a safe and friendly place, uh, or whether it's a Kotao uh, or even the country in general is dangerous. Uh, and so you have this backdrop of the way Thailand views itself and the way Thais view themselves, um, that is part of this story as well. And I think that only adds to some of the paranoia, some of the conspiracy theories, and some of the questions about how people die on this island. Absolutely. 
initially when we started this project kind of together, really the task to you guys, meaning Connor and Andrew, was uh, there's so many stories and this is a worldwide search, right? So it's time zones and language barriers. And that's a complicated effort in and of itself. And even just aggregating the information about the various cases, Connor, to your point, to be able to at least categorize them was the initial task. And then you all continue to take it to such a deeper level. And I think the, the level of outreach that the both of you have done is really remarkable. It's dangerous stuff we're talking right now. It's dangerous stuff and the, st the stakes are very high. Families don't have answers. Andrew, to your point earlier, which gave me chills, it's one of those stories that I think everybody would agree. Once you hear it, you literally cannot unhear it. And Connor, we were all pitching it way back in the day prior to COVID. And it was one of those cases that nobody could get out of their head. And at the bare minimum, the hope for the podcast is to be actionable, right? Aggregate all this information, utilize really, frankly, the world, because the victims are from so many different countries, to be able to find new information. We're really going to encourage listeners to, to hopefully add to the amount of leads that we've gotten so far. Next week, we'll be back to continue this conversation and wrap up season one of Death Island. If you have any information about any of the cases discussed this season, please contact us at producers at kt-studios.com. For more information and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at kt underscore studios. Death Island is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Connor Powell, Andrew Arnau, Jeff Shane, Chris Caccaro, Gabriel Castillo, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Trois. Music by Vanacore Music. Death Island is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 